Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. And welcome back. Marsha is in London this week. She'll be back with us next week. If you want to call us, we're at 866-WS-RADIO. You can get me at the real Mark Cohen or Marsha Collier on Twitter. I uh, would love to hear from you in any way you can. And you can also get us at Mark and Marsha on Gmail. So do that as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited about our next guest because this is going to be lots of fun. Let me tell you about uh, Clay Taylor. He is a um, former intelligent operative, uh, has worked in Russia, Latin America, has got 20 years of experience in Russia, the Ukraine, Central Asia. He speaks English, Russian, Spanish. He's a founding member of the Spy Masters Literary Guild, an author. He's a, uh, a rancher and a surfer as well as an author. And uh, excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you for being with uh, us. Hi, Mark. Great to be here. Uh, and Clay Taylor is... Uh, so tell us about what is life... Being a James Bond, I mean, what's the real life like? Is it like we see, and I just watched the new uh, Skyfall movie, and I've been a big James Bond fan my whole life, read the books. What's it like? Is it anything like what we see in the movies? Well, remember the opening scene in Skyfall where he's duking it out with that guy on top of the train? Yep. And then his girlfriend, or his Miss Moneypenny, is shooting at the guy he's fighting with? Yep. Pretty much like that every day. <laughs> Come on, is that real? <laughs> no, actually, it's um, about 95% of it is pretty boring. It's uh, a lot of reading, a lot of uh, report writing. But then you get the 5% that's pretty high adrenaline. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you do get to do a few things, if you're lucky, that you remember the rest of your life. So tell us some of those, if you can. Well, uh you know the old expression, if I tell you, I'd have to kill you, that sort of thing? As long as it's my audience and not me. Oh, wait, wait, did I say that out loud? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that doesn't really apply. Um, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> okay. I tell you what, a, a, a book that describes quite a bit of that is uh, written by a colleague of mine named Robert Morris, who's a member of Spy Masters Literary Guild, and he wrote a, a little autobiography and he describes some of those operations in some detail. You know, describes about, talks about meeting uh, agents in Moscow in the mm-hmm. 1980s under the nose of the KGB. He describes an operation in which he had to access a manhole to tap some communications cables. And so, you know, you do have those type of, uh, of very, very exciting, very adventurous, and very risky operations that you, if you're lucky, you get to participate in maybe once in your career. And that, well, all right, so let's wear a tech show. So first of all, let's talk gadgets. I mean, uh, you know, there was some really cool stuff in the new Bond film and some really old school stuff, which I thought was great. And I don't want to give away what went on in the movie, but there were some very cool things on there. We're all used to Q, you know, with the special gadgets and the, the you know, the phones that are lasers. I mean, how much of that stuff really exists and what are the cool gadgets? Well, you know, you gotta you got to remember that what the, what might be cool today and what was cool uh, 25 years ago, uh, you know, during the Cold War, are probably two completely different things, two completely different, just out of, I don't know, different uh, uh, worlds. Uh, the stuff that we had back during the Cold War uh, wouldn't even stand up to an iPhone today. We would have loved <laughs> to have had an iPhone. I mean, can you imagine? I mean... You know, the stuff that, uh, that former CIA director Petraeus, the way that he was communicating with his mistress, you know, mm-hmm. using the, uh, the draft, 
email uh, idea. I mean, that was, we didn't even have email in those days. So, right. you know, we had some gadgets, but like I said, they would be, it would be almost embarrassing to talk about them in the light of, a, of an iPhone today. But we had, we had uh, electronic gadgets that would allow us to communicate via satellite with an agent. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, those are even talked about in some detail on the on the official CIA website these days. They were called uh, SRAC, S-R-A-C, short, some, I think that meant short-range agent communication. And uh, even the website talks about one gadget that was the size of two cigarette packages, which is actually pretty big for anything that would uh, probably be used today. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and... Uh, you, know, you had one, the agent had one, and it would allow you to communicate with him without having to have an actual meeting. But a lot of times those were just uh, used to generate a signal which would then schedule a meeting according to a prearranged plan. Yeah, I mean, so so that stuff was pretty... I mean, I, I, there's two things that I've always wanted on my cars. And, of course, because I'm a huge James Bond fan, uh, one is the machine guns at the front to be used during rush hour traffic. And, secondly, the eject button. I mean, those were pretty cool. Do you have anything even remotely like that? <laughs> well, instead of that Austin Healy, I had, uh, when I was in Moscow, I had a, uh, a Jiguli which is uh, the uh, domestic version of the Lada. You remember uh, the Lada? God, that one I don't remember. Well, that was it was modeled after the Fiat 124. Essentially, it was a it was a very small, squarish vehicle that that turned like a tank. Uh, and the only positive thing about it was that it would start when it was about 30 degrees below zero. Okay. <laughs> so if you had to but, go someplace, uh, you could at least count on the car to get going. Yeah, you, usually you could. But other than that, there was no special features on the vehicle whatsoever. And in fact, one huge difference between uh, a James Bond movie and, and real-life espionage is that the real-life intelligence officer is trying to be as inconspicuous as possible. Right. Uh, you know, not a, the way he dresses, the way he, uh, he acts, the vehicle that he drives. He's trying to blend in and not call any attention to himself, whereas you know, James Bond obviously is doing the opposite. And, uh, you know, I would never go up to anybody and say, my name is Bond, James Bond. You know, you just uh, you try to to stay inconspicuous. Uh, oh, I would imagine that that makes a, a a lot of sense. I mean, what was it like to be in spy a spy in Moscow, say under the KGB? Well, it was exciting. It was exciting. Um, it was intense. Um, you know, in those days, uh, if you were a known entity to the KGB, you would be under twenty four hour surveillance. And that meant that from the moment that you walked out of your apartment in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, you would be followed all the way to the embassy. Um, even in the embassy, and this is one real, um, real weak point in our whole system back then, you would be under the surveillance of Soviet employees of the embassy. The State Department in those days, and uh, probably even today, I- I'm not sure what the situation is today. I'm out mm-hmm. of the loop these days, but uh, we had in those days about 100 Soviet employees uh, that worked at the embassy that mm-hmm. were contacted through, uh, through a Soviet agency. And the assumption was, and it was a correct assumption, that most of them were co-opted by the KGB. So they were there to report on you, to watch you. And that's one, uh, one method that the KGB used to identify who were the CIA officers at the embassy. 
I mean, and was it, you know, as you see in the movies, you know, uh, Russian spies trying to kill American spies, or was that just movie stuff? Yeah, that's just movie. I mean, I mean, I never like, uh, in Mission Impossible, I never, uh, <laughs> snuck into the, snuck into the Kremlin and, and blew it up. I mean, I have to admit, I never did that. But you so, wanted you know, to, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was in the Kremlin only once, as a matter of fact, with the delegation from the embassy, but no, the, uh, that's all BS, of course. That's just, makes for uh, for an outlandish movie and uh, in real life it's much more pedestrian than that although you know when you're out on operation on an operation and you're going to meet with somebody you're risking that other person's life mm-hmm. and the, the worst that's going to happen to you maybe is that you're going to be roughed up arrested roughed up a little bit and then kicked out of the country the next mm-hmm. day where the Soviet citizen who was helping you I mean that's the end of the road for him he's likely to be executed oh gosh wow and in terms of weaponry, you know, what is it today? I mean, guns are guns. But, you know, if you look at the new James Bond film, of course, you see this great, and they did some great throwback stuff to the original James Bond films. And they use the, uh, I'm suddenly blank on the, the gun that James Bond used, the, uh, oh gosh, um, his famous gun that they now translated into the movie in, uh, no, not the, no, wait, no, uh, no, it was the, uh, gosh, Terrible! It's whatever James Bond gun was. They they went back to the uh, the original gun that he used in the film. Only this one had a special thing where it was electronic and could only yes, be yes, used. Yes, yes, only identified his his fingerprints. And right, his only correct. Fire, he held it. I don't remember what the name of that what was either. Yeah, it's going to drive me crazy yeah. during break. I'm going to have to go look up uh, the James Bond gun. But uh, you know, did you what kind of guns did you carry in those days, or did you always were you always carrying a gun at that time? No, no, you certainly were not. And, uh, I mean, if you were carrying a gun in Moscow, it would have been just, uh, I mean, that would have, you know, that would have been nutty in those days. And I don't think the KGB guys were carrying uh, weapons in the United States either. Uh, Walther PPK, by the Yeah, there we go. Walther PPK. <laughs> yeah, the, the original gun from there. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you're, you're blowing a lot of illusions here, I have to say. You know, we expected yeah. all, you know, you guys to be carrying guns all the time and getting into fights all the time. And, uh, but it, it's some cool stuff. I mean, you were under surveillance from time to time, I expect. W- what do you do? How do you, if, well, in fact, we've only got about a minute left. So before we uh, do that, I want you, can, you can stay with us. We can talk some more about this. Sure, absolutely. Great. Uh, because we, you know, I want to find out about, you know, how, the, the hiding and the, uh, you know, again, all we have to really know is the, the different things like what's going on with General Petraeus now, and, you know, we find out those things on the news. But, you know, for those of us who really want to hide from somebody, how do you really get away from surveillance and stuff like that? Uh, and uh, also, tell, give us your website. My website is Clabe Taylor, that's C-L-A-B-E, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, dot com. And, and you, go ahead, Clabe. And, and Spy Masters Literary Guild, uh, our website is Guild. that's G-U-I-L-D, dot com. And we want to talk about, because I know you're an author, and we want to talk about some of those great, uh, what what is that, and you know what can we learn about that, and I'm an avid re- reader of spy novels and such, so a big fan, so we want to find out when we come back uh, what that is all about, and then talk, you know, talk to you about some, uh, some other questions about maybe the Cold War, and if there, again, if you had to create the most perfect gadget that you would like to have had, 
as a operative. We'd love to hear what that would have had. Kind of a Swiss Army knife of gadgets. Uh, so lots ahead. Don't go away. We've got a great show for you ahead. Uh, do not leave us. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio. We are WS Radio. We are the worldwide leader in Internet talk. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Thank you for listening to WS Radio. If you are not listening on your smartphone, WS Radio and our friends at MentorMate have just made it a lot easier with our new WS Radio 2.0 iPhone, BlackBerry, and Android apps. Just search for WS Radio in the iPhone store, BlackBerry, or Android market. There are all free downloads so you can listen live or on demand to your favorite show. These new apps work on most iPhones and for the newer BlackBerry and Androids. After you check them out and see how well they work, pay a little visit to our preferred app developer, MentorMate. They have been programming mobile applications for over 10 years now and are one of the few companies that handle all three major smartphones. The world is going mobile, and that is where your company should be. To learn more about MentorMate and our new WS Radio 2.0 phone apps, log on to wsradio.com forward slash mobile. That is wsradio.com forward slash mobile. Love to read but just don't have the time? With Audible.com, you can catch up on reading simply by listening. Audible has the largest collection of digital audiobooks, over 85,000 titles in every genre. Listen to a bestseller on your iPhone, BlackBerry, Android smartphone, or one of 500 other compatible devices. Visit audible.com slash wsradio today and get a free audiobook when you try Audible free for 14 days. That's audible.com slash wsradio. Are your salespeople running at the speed of the Internet? Are you providing the tools they need to compete? Bjorn Stansvik from MentorMate has a solution for increasing the effectiveness of your workforce. The most common problem we see our clients facing is that their salespeople don't have time for learning. IQPAC provides an adaptable mobile learning solution to help your sales force easily master the knowledge to compete effectively. Go to IQPAC.com, that's I-Q-P-A-K-K.com to learn more. For the past decade, I've been recommending Kingston for all your drive and memory need. And each year, they never fail to impress me. If you've never used an SSD before, the V-Series might just be the ticket. Let's say you've had that computer for a few years and it's starting to run a little slow. If you're not ready to replace it, Kingston's SSD, now V-Series, solid-state drive can kickstart that old system and make it feel like new. It will improve performance as boot and shutdown times are reduced and programs open and close faster. In general, the system is snappier. It's like breathing new life into an existing system. If you own a desktop, the 30-gig Kingston V-Series SSD is the perfect companion to that hard drive you have with all that music and movie. Put the operating system on the SSD and keep the data where it's at. Sit back and watch your old desktop operate faster. There's a capacity and a model for everyone wanting to upgrade from a traditional hard drive to a solid-state drive. Check out the Kingston SSD Now V-Series. SSD at www.kingston.com. Talk, talk to me. WSRadio.com Welcome back to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. And welcome back, 866-WS-RADIO. Uh, Clay Taylor is with us, uh, who is a former, oh, how, oh, how do you say, do you say spy, do you say operative, what's the proper term? 
Yeah, you wouldn't say spy. The spies would, that term would, uh, would pertain to the people that work for you. You would be an intelligence officer. Ah, intelligence officer. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, go to Klaib's website, which is uh, C-L-A-B-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. You can, we're going to talk about his books in, uh, in just a second. But um, Wade, uh, our stealth GM producer and, and all around there, is with us. And he said, and if you look at uh, Klaib's picture here, he's a good-looking guy. I mean, he looks like he could be, a, call it, operative. So talk to us about the Bond girls. Are there really any floating around? Well, the model for Miss Moneypenny came from my secretary in Moscow, as a matter of fact. <laughs> is it? Is no? that? Tr- no, that's not true. <laughs> okay, you almost have me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Bond girls, uh, you know, there would definitely be a role for them, but those would be more like the, um, they wouldn't be the CIA officers themselves. Those would be maybe somebody that you would recruit as what you would call an access agent. Mm-hmm. Like somebody who would have access to somebody that you were interested in for their intelligence. And, uh, you know, maybe you might use a woman to, to make an approach. Certainly that's, uh, you know, the classic espionage um, uh, method of, of recruitment. So that's, that's certainly true. But, uh, you know, I just, I just hate to disappoint you on those kind of things. Yeah, well, especially that. Forget the gadgets. I didn't, I didn't have, no. Now, the gadgets, there were some cool things. Right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we had uh, in Moscow, and this is, you know, public information nowadays. It's even on the CIA website. But there was something called a jib, which is the initials for a jack-in-the-box. Okay. So, you know, you were talking about eluding surveillance. Well, say you're... Say you recognize that you have surveillance, you've identified a couple of cars, and what you would do, uh, working with this jack-in-the-box, which I'll explain in a minute, you would sort of channel your surveillance to make sure that everybody was behind you. You know, you would choose your route and your and the roads that you were going on so that there was only one way for them to follow you, and that would be behind you. So once you knew that all your surveillance was behind you, you're in the passenger seat, somebody's driving, you come around a corner that's going to give you, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds before the surveillance vehicle appears. Mm-hmm. You jump out of the car. The other person activates the jack-in-the-box, and a figure pops up, just like a dummy that you might use in the HOV lane of a freeway nowadays. Then, the car, then you're off in the woods. The car goes on. The surveillance comes around the corner, and they see that there's still two people in the car, and they think they are. Now, that, that was used that's sparingly, cool. but it was used during those days, and... And like I said, that's on the CIA website these days. Uh, that's why. So, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, how being an intelligence officer, maybe today or, or certainly in, in your time of doing it, how dangerous is it really to be one? Um, it's slightly more dangerous than flipping burgers, I think. <laughs> okay. But, well, you can but, uh, get I a mean, bad I was inv- Yeah, I was involved in an operation in Moscow where we actually talked about the possibility of them uh, them killing us because they were they would be so so angry uh, when they found out about it. But I don't think that was really very realistic. Like I mentioned earlier, I think the worst that's going to happen to you, at least in those days, was getting beat up a little bit and uh, roughed up and then kicked out of the country. The real risk was run by the people who were working for you. Right. Well, and then what about, do you have any thoughts on, you know, there's so much news about the CIA today and the things going on. you have any thoughts about our intelligence community and how good is it today? You know, our intelligence community is, is faced with challenges that we couldn't have even imagined in those days. I mean, we thought it was, you know, the Soviet Union was the, you know, 
the evil empire, as Ronald Reagan said, right? Right, sure. And, and that was the hard target, the denied area. That was the... That was what I always dreamed of, of, of working there. That was, you know, when I, when I was over there, I was fulfilling sort of a, a fantasy of espionage. But the Soviet Union and the KGB, they were known quantities. We sort of knew what was going on, and we were just sort of engaged in this weird, dangerous game. Whereas today, the enemy is really unknown, and the enemy is so foreign to us. The culture is so foreign. Their beliefs are so foreign, it's, it's, and it's so difficult to penetrate their organizations that I can't imagine working in that environment today, quite frankly. Interesting. Talk to us, what, what is the Spy Masters Literary Guild? The Spy Masters Literary Guild is a small association of former CIA officers who have written books uh, in the spy genre, even either uh, nonfiction or fiction. Right now there's just three of us, and we, we reunited. After, we hadn't seen each other in uh, about 25 years, and we reunited uh, last summer just very strangely, I was down. This is an interesting story. If we've got you know thirty yeah, seconds, we, yeah, we have five minutes. I was down in uh, in Central America, and I, I had a farm down there, and I was selling my horses. And a fellow came up to buy my horses. He was Cuban American, and he he was talked asking me questions about myself. I told him I'd been in Moscow, and he said, "Well, maybe you know my old prep school roommate, uh, Bob Morris." And I, almost, I did a double take because, you know, Bob was one of my colleagues. Okay. And, and so that's how we reunited, through this, uh, through this horse buyer down in, uh, down in Central America. Wow. And then you, now you've been writing, you have two books? I do. I have, matter of fact, uh, Tex-Mex, my, my second novel, which is about a Mexican drug cartel that tries to take political control of South Texas, uh, just came out on Amazon.com yesterday. You know, it's funny. This past week, I was I, I host a thing in Los Angeles called the Distinguished Speaker Series, and my uh, speaker this week was uh, Vicente Fox, former president of Mexico. And we oh, talked, really? yeah, we talked a lot about you know the drug cartel and the things that are going on. So it's kind of timely with your book, certainly. Uh, it, now, are, is that are there are electronic versions of that yet? Not yet, not yet. It's out right now, just in paperback. We'll probably have the ebook version out in about thirty days. And then you then you also had another book called Mako. Yeah, Mako is that was my first novel. Mako is sort of a parody of a spy model, a spy novel, in the sense that the uh, the main character is Mako Sloan. He's sort of a a hard drinking, womanizing CIA officer who's you know scandalous in every sense, and 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 it goes from there. And toward the end of the book, I reveal the real reason why the United States went into Iraq. Oh, really? Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is all good stuff, I have to say. And the way you just described the the character in your book, that's the way we want our spies to be, you know, our operatives. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we don't want to hear about you sat at your desk all day long, you know, and every once in a while you did. But that's that's where we want our spies to be. Uh, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, Clay Taylor one Clay Taylor one okay, so we have to find you on Twitter. And then uh, tell us what we can find on your website. Well, uh, my website, there's some uh, pictures of uh, me and my dog. <laughs> yeah, I saw a great dog, great-looking dog. Yeah, and uh, descriptions of the two books. Uh, there's some um, uh, some radio interviews that I've done uh, and some Amazon reviews of the books. And uh, lastly, we've got a couple of minutes left here. If someone wants to get into that kind of a life, how do you become an operative for the CIA? Well, the CIA is a you know a government bureaucracy just like any other, and you actually apply to them. Um, they do 
occasionally find people on their own and recruit them. But uh, I applied just, you know, filling out an application. And then, of course, the, uh, the, the vetting process is kind of strange and it takes a long time. And, uh, but the opportunities are, are it's, you know, a an, an very interesting place to work. You can study foreign languages and, and uh, it's, it's quite adventuresome. Uh, these days, it's probably a lot more dangerous than you know, I have to say that. And I, I you speak uh, Russian and Spanish. So those were used during your days of an operative? Oh, they were indeed. I actually studied Russian when I was in the Army. I was in the Army for uh, three years and studied uh, Russian at the Defense Language Institute, and then I studied Spanish at the Foreign Service Institute. Um, and I, I, I speak both, both of those languages almost every day. Interesting. I still have, a, still have a business over in Ukraine, and, and usually I'm on the phone for a, an hour or two a day speaking Russian with them. Well, I'm actually part Russian. My father was born in uh, Kiev. So, oh, really? Really? Uh, yeah. well, that's, uh, that's very interesting. I used to have an office in Kiev. Oh, did you really? Yeah, what's Kiev like? I've never been there. You know, Kiev is now an absolutely beautiful city. It truly is. During the uh, Soviet days and probably 10 years after the breakup, it got pretty grim. But today a lot of the buildings have been re- restored. They have fabulous restaurants in Kiev, and uh, it's a gorgeous city, you know, overlooking the Dnieper River with some beautiful, beautiful churches, monasteries. So you recommend uh, uh, Ukraine and Russia as a place to visit if you're a tourist? Not if you have to pay your own money. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, it, it, it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for just, you know, interesting different cultures, then, of course. If you're looking for places where you're going to be comfortable all the time, you're going to be babied, uh, then I would say possibly not, because there are some still some, some uh, you know, difficult areas. Transportation is not real pleasant over there. A uh, lot better than it used to be. It used to be a nightmare every time you went over there. And is it safe to travel there? Yes, I, I think it is. I think it is. You, you know, just like anywhere else, you've got to be careful. Crime is a lot worse than it used to be. Sometimes train travel can be a little bit dangerous. We used to take overnight trains to Leningrad and to Kiev all the time out of Moscow. Oh, gosh. That's cool stuff, Clay. Thank you so much for being with us. It's really fun and fascinating to learn all this stuff. And uh, if you want to check out Clay's website, it's claybetaylor.com, correct? And it's C-L-A-B-E? That's correct, yes. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And could you work on that car with the machine guns and the eject for me and maybe you let me know where I can pick one of those up? get back to you as soon as I can on that, Mark. Thanks very much for having me today. Hey, thank you for being with us. It was really lots of fun. We appreciate your being here. Uh, And uh, when we come back, we are going to do our buy of the week. Wade, uh, maybe you and I will chat a little bit in the last half hour. Uh, I don't know what, but I'm sure we can come up with something to chat about. Uh, So we'll do the buy of the week. And, And do you have your drum set rolling, Wade? I will have that on standby. All right. Lots of good stuff to talk about ahead. And we're going to talk about the release of the new film uh, out of New Zealand that's uh, part of, well, a pretty famous thing that you know about. We'll talk about it. Uh, Don't go away. You're listening to Computer and Technology Radio. We are WS Radio. We are the worldwide leader in Internet time. You are listening to Computer and Technology Radio with your hosts, Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier. Love to read but just don't have the time. With Audible.com, you can catch up on reading simply by listening. 
Audible has the largest collection of digital audiobooks, over 85,000 titles in every genre. Listen to a bestseller on your iPhone, BlackBerry, Android smartphone, or one of 500 other compatible devices. Visit audible.com slash wsradio today and get a free audiobook when you try Audible free for 14 days. That's audible.com slash wsradio. You know, selling online can be a challenge, but thanks to Dymo Indicia, shipping isn't. With Dymo Indicia, you can print prepaid U.S. Postal Service shipping labels directly from your Mac or PC. By eliminating your trip to the post office, Dymo Indicia lets you focus on finding, listing, and selling your products. My friends can save hundreds of dollars on a Dymo Indicia postage solution by visiting endicia.com slash cool eBay tools. Dymo Indicia is the leading internet postage provider with over $5 billion of postage printed. Indicia is integrated into over a hundred third-party applications, which makes your inventory management easy. You get access to discounted delivery and signature confirmation, discounted parcel insurance, and hidden stealth postage. Shipping internationally? With Dymo Indicia, you can also print a first-class international shipping label. Dymo Indicia is the smart way to get it done. Visit endicia.com slash cool eBay tools. Attention online sellers. Introducing a great source for high-quality, low-cost merchandise. Genco Marketplace is America's largest wholesale source of store returns and closeout inventory. Our huge volume and variety of products means online sellers can be insured of a steady source of supply. Find electronics, housewares, shoes, apparel, tools, and general merchandise all from one site. Discover the web's one-stop product source you can trust. Pallets for sale or posted to our easy-to-use e-commerce site, GencoMarketplace.com. There you'll find what you need fast and view a detailed list of items in the pallets. No surprises. Genco Marketplace has direct liquidation contracts with America's largest retailers and manufacturers, which means that buyers purchase direct from the source with no middleman markups. Huge variety, low risk, and fast, easy online purchasing. Register for free and begin bidding on loads the same day. Sign up today at GencoMarketplace.com. That's G-E-N-C-O Marketplace.com. Join culinary rock stars and legendary winemakers for one of the nation's largest Epicurean love fests, the 9th Annual San Diego Bay Wine and Food Festival. From November 14th to 18th, this week-long extravaganza will feature 100 celebrity and local chefs, 170 wineries, 25 citywide events, and a whole lot of love. To save 10% on select events, use promo code VINVILLAGE. For tickets and hotel packages, visit SanDiegoWineClassic.com. That's SanDiegoWineClassic.com. 